Hello, loyal sons. Thanks again for tuning into the show. Have you ever thought about making your own podcast? Well, Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It allows you to edit your audio in-app and distribute it to all major streaming services. It's free to use while also helping you monetize your content. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello and welcome back to The Loyal Sun Show. That's at The Loyal Sons on Twitter. Follow us there and follow us here for pit sports content you won't want to miss. If you love winning 11 games in one year instead of two years and hate bragging about spring game attendance, this is the place for you. The Loyal Sun Show. A safe, sunshiny place for your pit athletics fix. Brought to you by our new sponsor, Rendine Consulting, providing investment managers assistance with technology integration. Today is Wednesday, April 27th, and the draft is tomorrow. Finally. Finally get to see where we get to watch Kenny Pickett watch or play quarterback for the next 15 years. Where we need to buy a timeshare. Where I need to reinvest all of my emotional capital. I just, I just hope it's not Detroit or Houston or one of those terrible franchises. Bring him home. Keep him here in Pittsburgh. Now, no, let's not get ahead of ourselves. We have, we have quite the show ahead of us, and we, we will touch on um, and beg for Kenny Pickett to end up in Pittsburgh. Uh, but we also have two special guests this afternoon. Four-star defensive tackle out of the class of 2024 and Pitt's first recruit from that class, Jasir Whittington, will be joining us for a couple minutes to talk about his commitment. And we also got the man, the myth, the legend, Donnie Football, Donnie Chedrick, the producer of the Pony and Mauler show on 93.7 The Fan. He will be joining us to talk a little about the draft. He's a big draft guy, loves grinding that film. He's going to give us some thoughts on uh, where our favorite pit players may end up. But before that, I, I think there's something that we we needed to get off of our chest, something that's kind of been boiling up. Um, I think our, our dear friends in the central part of the state uh, need a few words. I'm sorry, I, I wasn't listening. I was reading the Wikipedia page for the statue of Joe Paterno. Did they say where it's at? Whereabouts unknown. Oh. Hmm. Yeah, uh, over the past week or so, dating back to the Pitt spring game, they chirped us for our attendance at the spring game. And this past Saturday, they uh, had the blue and white game. 62,000 people, have you heard? Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I'm sure. That's more than we get for all of our regular season games. Well, I, I heard uh, it was like a glorified scrimmage. They didn't even have enough linemen to actually play. A glorified scrimmage that Drew Aller still threw three picks in. <laughs> the savior of the program. Yeah, it took a lot of willpower to not chirp every Penn State fan back on Twitter. Uh, we got a few in there. We got a few jabs. Uh, yeah, John Morgan, he went in. I was howling at John Morgan's going full court press on uh, attendance state and their uh, Twitter bots. 
Yeah, I think he might be my new favorite player for that. We did decide to take the high road and, and didn't pick too many fights this weekend. Uh, we just decided to dedicate the first segment on our podcast to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, props to John Morgan for for starting those fires. Hey, he only speaks facts. He said it himself. Yeah, John just had to handle our light work for us. so Couldn't have said it better ourselves. Feels insignificant, but the Loyal Sons are nothing if not just a sentient Twitter account. It's just kind of what we do, and Penn State was getting on our nerves this weekend, and, and we needed to, to say something about us. I, they just, they're so fascinating. They've been in the news a lot lately. Um, that ESPN documentary about Joe Paterno came out, and then that absolute... Dostoyevsky length feature about uh, the Penn State player who committed a series of uh, violent sexual assaults uh, in the 70s, I believe. Uh, so, you know, it's the perfect time to draw attention to yourself with uh, highly disprovable claims of your spring game attendance. Wouldn't expect anything else from 11 and 11, so. I hope I hope I hope they all cleaned off the turnstiles after. I hope the turnstiles were nice and shiny with all those. Oh yeah, walking the in. ushers were in midseason form. The team might not have been, but uh, the ushers they looked real good. They got all sixty-two thousand them in and out, nice and quick. Uh, really burned out the scanner on those uh, those ticket machines. Well, just just know that while Jared Wayne was down in New Orleans working out at eight a.m., James Franklin had the had the freshman in it. In Beaver Stadium, just polishing the turnstiles, ready to go the day after the spring game, just so they'll be nice and shiny. For it's their spot. pride and joy. All right, that's All right. enough of them. That felt good. Um, the NFL draft. Yes. Th- so thankful it's here. I'm sick and tired of hearing. Uh, the shuffling of quarterbacks and all the different landing spots. Uh, I swear draft analysts just get bored and say, you know what, this week, I'm going to say Desmond Ritter is the best quarterback in the class. I'm going to drop Kenny Pickett to 32. I think Pro Football Focus puts out another mock draft every day, and it changes every day. There's no way there's that much more intel to change every day. It has become the most nauseating, nauseating, obnoxious like tradition in sports is the overall analyst. And there's every jackass you see on Twitter who makes a tweet about Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, or Desmond Ritter just has like draft analysts in their bio and they have like 103 followers I yeah. just, it's so done I'm so ready for it to be done don't get me wrong I love the draft it's just the non-stop coverage year round I mean we're going to talk about the draft here we're going to be those draft yeah, 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 for a yeah, moment yeah. but we're allowed to because we're cool and we're not nerds and we care about cool things like grit and gumption sure and not hand size in the underwear Olympics. Yeah, I mean, we care about guys who threw 42 touchdowns last year, not guys who threw three picks against Syracuse. Yeah, I, I'm really tired of going to the gym and every TV showing the same highlight. Humble brag that you go to the gym. Humble brag that I go to the gym. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Please remember to tweet at me and congratulate me for going to the gym, which I do. Um, but whenever I go to the gym, the thing that I do a lot... Uh, I'm just tired of seeing the same highlight reel of all 
five good throws Malik Willis made in college. I think I think I could close my eyes and describe each of them in explicit <laughs> detail. Give us one. Shut up, John. <laughs> no, so you don't go to the gym. <laughs> I have been foiled. No, but it's my least favorite thing. And, and I thought I would really enjoy this draft cycle because it would just be a lot of people saying really nice things about Kenny Pickett. And it's been back and forth. And I think we kind of expected that people would poke holes in his game. But what has, has bothered me really bad is um, with Kenny Pickett, it's... Well, don't pay attention to, like, all all the yards and the touchdowns and the metrics that made him, like, an obviously unbelievable quarterback last year. What about all of these very tiny measurables that were going to blow up? And then with Malik Willis, it's like, don't even look at the tape. Yeah. We can teach him how to throw a football. We can teach him how to have basic awareness. Just trust us on this one. Yeah, that, I mean, that's like a perfect synopsis. Of what what it's been like, um, and I get the all the physical gifts, all the physical tools that Malik Willis has, but damn dude, Kenny Pickett was just so good last year. I, I just don't know how you overlook that, but um, I get it. A lot of draft draft talk is around potential, boom or bust, you know, high ceiling, um, but I think there has to be something said about uh, Pickett's high floor as well. But I think we'll get to more of that as as we go on here, um, talking to Donnie and doing our own little draft on this show wink wink um but uh we can only talk about the draft so much dylan that's a very good hint to five minutes from now um but before we get there there are a couple items that we need to clean up outside of just brazen ranting about an out-of-conference opponent that we very much do not like uh pitt picked up a very surprising transfer this past weekend yep bub means from uh, Louisiana Tech, previously of Tennessee, down in Rocky Top. Um, I don't think anyone expected it to come, or we, I, I had never heard, you know, the name Bub Means before this weekend, but, um, you know, blazing fast wide receiver, maybe a bit of a project, or just a guy, you know, develops behind our, our receiving core we have this year. Um, but I, I've seen some people questioning it. Um, especially on the layer on the boards, people questioning why they would bring him in. And I think this is simply a case of a guy who can eventually help us down the road. We have some scholarships out there, and why not just go get a guy? I'll say this. People have questioned a couple of transfers we've brought in at receiver lately. Uh, everyone thought Melky Stovall wouldn't do anything. Uh, he ended up being a very valuable player. I mean, Mac worked out great. I mean, worst-case scenario... I remember uh, DJ Turner. DJ they, Turner, People yeah. wondering, you know, he only had like 12 catches at Maryland before coming to Pitt, and DJ Turner was one of the most important players of that offense two years ago. So. Yeah, so I'm going to trust the coaches here. Uh, and it's not like he's a grad transfer or like a one-year guy like Turner and Soval were. Bob Means is a redshirt freshman. He has, I believe, at least three years of eligibility left. I, I will admit that I was one of those people that was incredibly skeptical at first, just because if you asked me what position group I thought we needed a late addition the least, I probably would have said the receivers. We're, we're very deep at that position, and my initial reaction was, well, what does this sort of thing say to, you know, the, the couple young guys on the roster, you know, the incoming freshman or Bradley or uh, Barden or, you know any of the very high-level um, 
receiving recruits that we're looking at for 2023. You know, we picked up Zion Fowler. We're getting interest from Hakeem Williams and Santana Fleming, who are both, you know, rivals top 150. Rodney Gallagher. Rodney Gallagher. So I was a little bit concerned. Uh, the second someone told me, like, yeah, 20 yards of reception last year, I was like, okay, we can... I'm, I'm like uh, Coach Boone in that one scene, Remember the Titans, where uh, where Sunshine shows up and throws the ball 60 yards and hits Gary Bertier in the back. Yeah, we can find a spot on the team for him. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I also think, um, you look at how last year shook out, we had a lot of injuries at the wide receiver position, and they were pretty bare, Uh within that receiver room by the end of the year. You know, Jaden Bradley probably had to play a little more uh, than they had expected as a freshman. You know, I think Jaden Bradley's going to be a great player for us, but I think he was playing a lot more down the end of the, the stretch of the season after Taysier Mack went down, Jalen Barden went down. Um, so I think just adding some wide receiver depth in that room, and, you know, I don't even think we have word if he'll be immediately eligible this year yet. I think that's still getting cleared up. So um, either way, you know, I think it, so a guy who – Seems to have flashed some talent, 20 yards a catch, you know, deep ball threat, um, and someone who can help us down the road. So, like, like Squid said, I'm going to trust the coaches on this one. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's he's probably not, you know, when you think about it a little bit, he's probably not going to be, you know, a Slovis where he's in, like, this is an immediate plug-and-play. Sometimes you can get transfers that aren't necessarily intended to be your big stars, just kind of help fill out the locker room and, and add competition um, so I'm interested to see what comes of that. Um, but I was really hoping for a tight end, to be honest. Bart is uh, a monster. Um, he was a freshman All-American. Uh, but behind him, there isn't much. Yeah, I would agree with that. I I am intrigued to see how this season plays out because it's, it's no secret that uh, Coach Signetti wants to use two tight ends in this offense. So it'll be interesting to see... Um, you know, is that going to be just the second best tight end plays, or will we only be able to play with two tight ends if we find a second guy that they believe in? I feel like it'll be a little bit of a mixture of both, but I'm wondering if you know, is that going to be a weakness as part of the offense? You know, that second tight end will it really make that big of a difference? Uh, I don't know. There have been a couple of guys at tight end who haven't taken the jump that you'd like to see, like Kai Wright, who's been banged up, but Jake Renda looked pretty massive in the spring game. I don't know if he accumulated any stats at all, uh, but he looked big. Yeah, and I think that's kind of been the word around spring ball, too. Renda looked pretty good. He kind of sounds like the de facto number two tight end. I sort of figured that they would just put uh, Gavin Bartholomew up on the line where they would typically line up Kroll last year, and then in that H-back position where Bartholomew thrived, they would just put Dan Carter, and Dan Carter would just kind of be a hybrid. I'm all for more Dan Carter. All aboard. Spring game hero, Dan Carter. But uh, Bub Means was not the only big Pitt addition in the past week. Uh, Pitt also landed a four-star commitment from our upcoming guest, uh, Jasir Whittington, a four-star, number 147 in his class, out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Huge commitment. Getting the 2024 class started with a four-star, with a guy who goes to a huge powerhouse, uh, Imhotep Charter, out in Philadelphia, a football powerhouse, also a basketball powerhouse. They were ranked, uh, I believe, number 12 in the country when they went to the PIAA state championship this year. But, uh, I mean, just a big-time name. Anytime you can get in a four-star guy, I, I hate to 
harp on stars with recruiting rankings, especially with 16, 17-year-old kids. But um, I, I think more so than anything, it just kind of makes it feel like Pitt is getting some momentum with these bigger-name guys, with these highly touted guys. And they get a commitment from a guy uh, who hasn't even finished his sophomore year of high school yet. Um, I think that's pretty big time. I think it's also big being the first recruit. You have that on the board moving forward. Maybe other guys look around they say, Pitt's doing well now. They're on the rise on the field, and they check out the recruiting board. They got a uh, – was he the sixth best defensive tackle in the country? Or is he the sixth like best it. player in the state? He was, he was top ten D tackle in the country for sure. We'll get a stat checker on that. But they see that. They think something's cooking up there in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and I think those early commitments – another thing with that is it limits the amount of spots that Pitt's going to have. So a guy who is looking to Pitt – might want to make a decision early on, uh, doesn't want to get bumped off the recruiting board. Um, you know, that might be a, something that sways him to come commit. Uh, number seven defensive tackle in the country, number six overall player in the state of Pennsylvania. Gotcha. Wow. Not, Not bad. Shabby. Not bad. We got kind of just going to dominate the state. And this is kind of the Charlie Partridge special. We got a, an undersized, yeah. quick defensive tackle. Where else would you want to go? Yeah, I, that sounds vaguely familiar, but I can't put my finger on it. Fingers. I can. Been a couple of them, yeah. I I remember reading about his visit, and he, he committed almost immediately after he came and visited Pitt, uh, which I wasn't expecting, but I, I saw Chris Peake wrote a, wrote a really nice uh, write-up about him, and he said that, uh, Jasir said that he models his game after Kalijah Kansi, I was like, well, it sounds like you know where you need to go, kid. Yeah, yeah. I remember I was surprised he committed so quick because he visited and Pitt got a, a commitment. Narduzzi lit up the, the Pat signal. And I'm like, this kid still has himself in a Penn State uniform as his Instagram profile picture. It's not going to be him. He committed so quick he didn't have a chance to change his profile picture to him and Pitt stuff. So that tells you how well it went. I mean, if... If you're Charlie Partridge, you got the blueprint. You show him the blueprint, and if he's a football guy, if he wants to be good, go to the next level. He'll, he'll do what's right. And a little fun behind the scenes, uh, he committed last Monday, and we were wrapping up our interview with Chris Bickle, you know, and, and you know, like, just, he's a massive pit guy. He reminds me a lot of EJ Bergetti and that, like, we probably could have talked to him for three hours just about how cool it is, and it, it would have been like the most exciting thing ever. And we were just, you know, wrapping up. We were done recording, and he goes, "Oh, by the way, you guys are you guys are gonna love what happens tonight." Yeah. And then as as he was showing us his phone, showing us the pass signal, we're like, "Who is it? Who is it?" And he kind of let us on. That's who it was gonna be. So I think I think Narduzzi sent out the pat signal as he was telling us, like, might be some good news out of the program tonight. And then like, I imagine he has Narduzzi's tweets like automatically sent to his phone. He's just like, "Oh, well." Pat signal up. We're, there we go. He wouldn't tell us, but we didn't have to wait very long. Right. Yeah. Uh, we're talking to J- just here here shortly, so uh, we can ran rave all we want about him. But really excited for that, and uh, you know, good to get that first first commit in the class twenty twenty four on the board. Please welcome on to the show Pitt's newest recruit, a four-star defensive tackle out of Imhotep in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, 
rivals number 147 player in the class of 2024, Jasir Whittington. Jasir, how you doing tonight? I'm doing good. I can't complain. How are everybody doing? Doing a lot better since uh, since you decided to become a Panther, I'll tell you that. <laughs> so um, let's get started with the obvious. You uh, committed to Pitt, I think, exactly a week ago. Um, what did you know about Pitt before you came to visit? Because that was a really quick turnaround. You visited that weekend and then came back, you know, early week and, and said you wanted to be a Panther. Uh I knew that I, I have a recent teammate and uh, Javon McIntyre who goes there. So, you know, it's definitely a connection right there. And before that, you know, I knew Aaron Donald, of course. And other than that, I didn't really know too much about uh, about Pitt. So when I took that visit, you know, I say a lot, they really made me feel at home because I didn't know about I didn't know a lot about it. Uh, I really meant that because, you know, they they show me around. They show me facilities. You know, their facilities connected with the Steelers. That 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 that's that's real. Like that's real surprising to me. You know, knowing that you were just always around like professional guys, like somewhere where you want to be or always wanted to be since you were a child. So that visit definitely uh it, it boosted them a hundred percent. And you know, I definitely. And then they they contacted my coaches. And told them that you know they wanted me, they wanted me there, and I felt like it was home, so I made the I made the move. Yeah, so you said uh, you didn't really know too much about Pitt. Obviously, getting on campus that was a that was an eye opening experience. Um, do you have you got to watch Pitt at all growing up? You ever watch Pitt football? Is that is that some a team that you know on Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon you're watching, or you know is who who would have been your team growing up if not? Um, so growing up, I. So me playing football, for some reason, I I don't never watch football games. And I think that's like a <laughs> that's like a weird little theory for me. Like uh only time only time I'll watch a game is probably the biggest game of the year. Or you know, I'll I'll bet a friend on a game, like, you know, little, like funny stuff like that. That's probably the most times I'll watch the game, you know. So, you know, college, uh like the net uh national championship, Super Bowl. And things like that. That's probably the only time I really watch the games or like in the playoff situations. But uh growing up, I ain't never I never really watched Pitt. No. I'll probably the most I probably watch Pitt is when I watched the Sean McCoy college highlights because he used to be my favorite player at one point. So Yeah. Um, I mean now now I watch I watch Aaron Donald all the time. Like he he's somebody that like if 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 one day I could model my game that's somebody I would model my game to. So I watch all his highlights. I don't care when it's from. So he was, he's my favorite player, but you know, growing up, I always watched, always watched uh, LSU because of honey badger. He, he's always, he's going to be my, like my favorite player till I die. Cause he just showed like, he just showed the toughness and, you know, he wasn't the biggest guy and he just showed like, he got that dog in him and now like he's in the league and he's, playing very well. That's how I think of myself, you know. I'm not the biggest defensive tackle, you know, six D tackles out of that's six four and up. Yeah, they're gonna get a lot of more a lot of more attention. So I just uh I just like like look at Aaron Donald, he's undersized too. And it's those those guys are idle because, you know, they 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 had to really work. They had to really prove that they were good. You know, they didn't get no handouts because of anything. 
So that's those those are the people that I'm like I use to motivate me and like like keep that in the back of my head and make me go harder no matter what. We like that. Us us Pittsburghers like to root for a guy with the chip on their shoulder. Uh you touched on a little bit there about watching Aaron Donald and some of the undersized guys. Who would you compare your play style to? Uh so this, this is actually Coach Partridge words. He he compared me a lot to Kalijah Kansi that's there now. And I remember he came up to our school during the uh during the other uh in person uh like the in person period a while back. And I remember he asked me, uh my coach asked him, Am I big enough to play for him? And he told me to get in my stance. Before I could really get in my stance, he said, yeah. And he, I remember he brought up Kalijah Kansi. But it went from one ear out the other because I couldn't remember his name. So I remember he, uh, he he compared me to him, and I ended up saying – I think he said that before. And then I went to watch his highlights, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, I see what he's talking about. Like, not the biggest, not the tallest. You know, can use his strength, know how to use his leverage, quick off the ball, athletic. And that's definitely who I'll compare myself to. I ain't gonna say Aaron Donald because he he's a different <laughs> breed. I would definitely have to wait until uh, I I definitely produce more. But that's somebody I would idol to you know like being like body like body uh body weight and body shape size, you know stuff like that. But I'll definitely say Elijah Kansi because you know the quickness that me like I have quickness. He has quickness. He has athleticism. I have athleticism. So. No, I'll definitely compare my game to him. Don't you worry. If you put on a pit helmet and make like one decent play at defensive tackle, somebody else will compare you to Aaron Donald. It's kind of this, <laughs> this bad thing pit media does where anytime someone looks decent on defense on the line, it's wow. Do we have the next Aaron Donald? <laughs> so you mentioned uh, some of your conversations with uh, with Coach Partridge, who's definitely one of the top defensive line coaches in the country. Uh, how would you describe your interactions with Coach Partridge and Coach Narduzzi, and you know what kind of you know stuck out about them? Uh, it was just the love that he showed. You know, you know, I talk about being undersized. You know, like if you see it, it was more so. If you see me in person, you ain't gonna say I'm undersized. But you know, once I get on those on those measurements, and though know, they they I'm gonna be related to being undersized. So, you know, he he told me, he said, you know, I, he told me that he don't care about those six five guys. He said he'll take a, a under like a six foot or a six one guy that can move and that's quick over that six five guy any day. And that spoke to me because, you know, everywhere I go, they measure me in that like six foot. With me personally, I don't think I am, but I can't beat them. So when he said that, it definitely opened my eyes to the program and to him personally because, you know, he's basically, basically trying to relate to me. So, you know, I definitely have a great connection with him. You know, Coach Dudes, he's the guy. You know, I, I definitely – I talked to him a couple times, and, you know, he just he just loves me as a player, and so does Coach Partridge. So that's what made me fall in love with it. You know, it's not about – what schools I get because, you know, I got Michigan a couple of days after committed and it and everybody asked me in my decommitted. It's like, I mean, it's not about school anymore. You know, it's not about, like, everybody think when people go on visits, it's just, you know, look flashy, 
you know, post all the pictures and stuff like that. And I, I look forward to meeting that position coach, you know, seeing what he has to say about me. Where does he see me? Does he see me playing for his program? Can I trust him to develop me and take me where I want to go? So, you know, that's what Coach Dude uh, definitely put on the table. I mean, Coach Barber has definitely put on the table. He put on the table that, you know, he loves me. And, you know, if a coach likes me and a, another coach loves me, I'm going to rock with a coach that loves me. And that's definitely can uh, produce me because he's one of the best in the country. Yeah, you said um, you said you were four thousand four hundred and forty four percent committed to Pitt, uh, which is you know really good reinforcement for us. You know, even after you got that uh, offer from Michigan, uh, what is that the significance of? That's a very specific number. What is the significance of that four thousand four hundred forty four percent? So, four is a number that I always grow up wearing. And my uncle, uh, my uncle who passed away when I was young, he always wore four. And growing up, I, I don't know where I, I didn't realize until I got older why I wore four, you know, but my dad always picked my number for me, he always made me get four. So, you know, I mean, going into high school is, is different, you know, but uh, I always wear four or I always throw up the four. Cause it's just, that's my life. That's who I am. You know, like, like my name, like anything, when I was younger, anything in my name on social media would have a four in it. And that's just, it's just because a four is a number that, you know, represents him. And I always like keep that attached to me. And I always want to live up with number four, like always like on my body and my heart. So uh, that's why on a lot of visits, like going forward, you're going to most likely see me wear four. And, you know, I'm not a skill anymore, but, like four is just is four is deeper than just looking good, you know. I know that's the way just like linemen like to wear single digits, but it's deeper than me just trying to look flashy. You know, that's really uh that's something that like when I put on it's, it make me feel it make me feel like a different man. So, you know, my uncle wore it and I remember when I first when I got my first jersey with number four, I took a picture of it and I sent it to my dad. And he put the picture of my uncle wearing number four next to the picture of me wearing number four. And that's when I realized. So uh, I put four and I just put multiple fours because that's my number and it represents my uncle. So I love that you have some something else to play for a little extra, you know, uh, well, motivate motivation, some juice every time you look down, see what number you're wearing. So, um, yeah, the first time you grabbed that number four, were you? Were you playing lineman at that time, or did they have you playing running back, quarterback? What were you playing wearing number four when you were a little kid? I could probably – the only two the only two positions I didn't play growing up was lineman and receiver. I played I played everything else growing up. So, <laughs> I always wore – I always – number four, I wore – I played every position with it. So, that 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 also – a lot of people, you know, a lot of my, uh, my dad's friends or my uncle's, no, my uh, my OGs, they always tell me that me playing all those positions growing up, it helped me be as athletic as I am. And I never realized it until they told me and I sat down and thought about it. So, you know, uh, I always, I always, my primary was always running back, either DB or running back and linebacker or running back and D-line. So I always, I always grew up playing running back. Actually, I started off as a quarterback because I always told my dad I wanted to, uh, like I wanted to finish his footsteps because he played quarterback and safety. So, you know, I tried to do that. 
and I realized I got too big, so I moved to running back. And then I just got too big for that, so I moved to linebacker and got even bigger. So now that, <laughs> now I got my hand in the dirt. Maybe Coach Zignetti can put you in at H-back on some goal line possessions. Who knows? Yeah, I, I actually played fullback my freshman year. And I'm thinking about going back this year, too. You know, I, I can, I could, I could block, I could block my behind off. So that ain't a problem <laughs> for me. So talk about when you blocked. realized that you were really good and maybe had a shot at going D one. You talked about your progression as a, a football player on the field, but when did you take that jump to a a guy who played to a guy who was good to a guy who was getting D one offers from top schools in the country? Um, I always, everybody always told me. So I remember when I was younger, I always had. Hashtag college for free in my bio on Instagram when I was younger. My my dad, he he used to run my page when I was a young. I didn't really post too much. So he so, was really interested in college for free. Yeah, you know, he, he tells me to this day that, you know, before when he when he was talking to my mom, he told he told my mom that I was gonna go to school for free. So now when I look back to it, it's like it's like that, that's you know, my dad had it destined for me. It's it's days. If, if my dad was next to me right now, he'll tell you. I, it was his days. He done randomly woke me up and told me I had to work out. I'd be ready to cry. I would be <laughs> like, even just from a small age to growing up, I'd be mad. But it's, it's, it's workouts that had me thinking, like, is this for me? But I got through it. And I see that all it did was pay off. All it did was show that, you know, I got the heart to play at like the next level in that and playing those big stages. And Growing up, I uh, I never really until I got to high school my freshman year. That's when I learned about like offers. You know, like a lot of guys that I seen with offers, I didn't pay attention to those offers. I paid attention to them being a good player and me telling myself I want to be as good as them or better. So, uh, you know, growing up, I never I never really thought. I always thought I was you know as a kid, you always think about you 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 just jump right to. The, the big chase you never think about what you gotta go through so I just jumped right to I want to go to the NFL and you know as you grow up you start to start to see reality and you know my freshman year uh like two of my teammates they got offers before me and me telling myself that I worked my behind off because that quarantine year I didn't I didn't you know a lot of people got out of shape. I didn't get out of shape. I used that to work extra so I could prepare for my freshman year. And when those guys got offers, you know, it didn't, I, you know, I was proud of them because, you know, Kenny, the Kenny Woolsey, he like my best friend. So I was proud of him, you know, Trey McLeod. I knew him since I was, since I was a kid also. And, you know, I was proud of those guys, you know, in my head, I'm like, you know, I worked my behind off. But I just didn't know how the recruiting process went, you know, because they first – they both for their first offers was Pitt. And what I did was when I realized I was switching defensive tackle, even before that, you know, I put – I mean, like, I put a Pitt little offer on Twitter. I put it in my drafts, and I told myself I was going to work, and one day I was going to get Pitt. So, you know, once, once I made that transition to defensive line, I didn't know what to really expect. And after I played that first game against Pittsburgh Central Catholic, I definitely like I started to realize like, oh, like I'm 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 pretty good at this. And I wasn't expecting any offers to come in for. I was just worried about playing and waiting to the end of the season. But you know, they came rapidly. So that uh 
that whole experience of me just growing up and every, all the work that I put in and everything that I that I uh, that I did leading up to now, you know, it's a it's a blessing and it just showed me that you know your work never gonna go unnoticed if you really put in the work. So you you drafted a tweet that said that you got an offer from Pitt before you got an offer from Pitt. Yes. So that you could tweet. That is awesome. How long before you got offered by Pitt did you do that? Uh, I know it off the back of my head. It was, it was, I want to say it was around May. It was around May of last, of last summer, like towards last, like towards the summer that just passed. So like May, 2021, I put a, Wow. I put a couple I put a couple schools in there, you know, that's just motivation. So I like I just love to have motivation. So like, you know, if I I always say if I'm on the last rep, if I'm on nine and and, and my you know, my arms tired, my legs tired, you know, when I think about that or whatever, you know, whatever my motivation is at the moment, you know, I'll finish that rep and I'll do an extra one. You know, and I learned that from I learned that from multiple people that actually. But it's just something that I started doing my own. You know, I, I want to be above. I don't want to be right where everybody is. I want to be above. So, obviously, a lot of your teammates being at Emotep, you know, you mentioned a few guys who got offers from Pitt. I'm sure they're getting all kinds of offers. That's a really talent-rich school uh, program. But what are you going to be doing to recruit some of those guys to come play with you? You going to be doing any recruiting? Oh, for sure. You know, I, I'm, I'm in those guys there for, you know, it was, their recruiting process is, is still skyrocketing right now. So uh, I definitely let them live sometimes. But, you know, it's, it's, it's guys that, you know, hit me up and ask me how it is fit. You know, they think they said they think about coming in, and I tell them this is, this is the place, you know. So, you know, my teammates, I definitely, I, I definitely love to get my teammates up there because I know they're capable of – I know all – even if it's just one other teammate, we're capable of, you know, bringing bringing Pitt back a, a national championship one day, or or just adding to that collection of ACC championships. Yeah, start that Philly pipeline. We'd love that. So, uh, last question: we we really appreciate your time, and this has really been awesome to uh, get to know one of our future players this well. Uh, so, obviously, NIL has become a. The, the huge thing in, in college sports and you're going to be coming to a, uh, a new city. Uh, and, and we know, you know, maybe some of our, uh, our, our friends who, who like to support local athletes, listen to this show. Um, why don't you, why don't you tell us a little bit about the, the kind of restaurants and, and, and brands that you're a, you're a fan of maybe, uh, maybe we can try to finagle you a, a deal or two when you get on campus with uh, some of our local places that sound like something you might be into. What kind of, what kind of things are you into outside of football? Uh, outside of football now, I'll I tell y'all for sure. I'm a, I'm a big guy and I love to eat. So, <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a guy, you know, DoorDash Uber eats a lot. And, well, that's another thing. When I was up pit, man, I tell you that that chicken parm they had that that was that, that sold was you. that 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 sold me a lot. I'm mean, I'm sitting here like I ain't never I ain't never had no ch- like chicken parm that was this efficient. And and I'm talking I'm talking about me, my teammates, my father. They was all surprised. Like they they was talking about it on the car ride back, and I forgot about. It. I'm like I'm like sheesh. Like that that that's just that might just be sending your tummy, but 
No, I like places like Chick Fil A. Uh, I, I always eat there. Like that's, I think that's that's my favorite spot. It ain't the best for you, but that's my favorite <laughs> spot. Uh, I definitely say McDonald's from time to time. I try to stay away from that a little bit. I tell you uh, what, the, Mac- the McDonald's in Oakland ain't the best. I don't want to. I don't want to sway you anyway. Keep you from from <laughs> wanting to come to Pitt, but uh, that that McDonald's in Oakland get a little little crazy sometimes. Yeah. Uh, other than that, uh, what else? I'm not really. I'm not. I don't. I don't. I'm not a really a material guy. You know. Mm. I, I'm. I'm a. I'm a more sweatpants and hoodie. I'm a workout gear type of guy. So. Love you know, to hear it. Like now, like all I wear is you know a little a little hoodie like this, some sweatpants. I wear athletic shoes all the time. You know, uh, I just wear. I, honestly, I wear college gear a lot. So now I'll definitely just like if I had multiple pit hoodies, I'll just wear pit hoodies most of the time. So you know, athletic gear, uh, Under Armour. That's what I really wear for. It's comfortable, calm. You know, that's, that, that's the type of stuff I'm into for real. So if any of our listeners own like a sporting goods store, hit our guy up when he gets on campus. Or, or Italian, a rest, Italian yeah. restaurant, chicken, chicken parm, get you a chicken parm deal. Dill, are there yeah. any good Italian places in uh in Oakland you can think of? I mean, there's all kind uh, of. I'm sure oh. Coach Narduzzi knows a place or two. I mean, Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he most likely know everything. Awesome. Well, we're really looking forward to getting you on campus. Uh, you're you're a special talent. You're a phenomenal way to uh, to start off our 2024 class. And you seem like just the kind of character that we want in, in Oakland and in our football program. So thank you so much for your commitment and also for uh, joining us today. And uh, best of luck rounding out your sophomore year of high school. No problem. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you. Hail to pit. Hail to pit. Hail to pit. Well, Dylan, you hinted at it earlier. Before we have Big Don on the show to talk about the draft, we have a little bit of draft prep of our own to clean up. So everyone's quite familiar uh, with our Mount Washington segment. Uh, This is not that. This is a draft, but it's totally different. We are, uh, you know, anticipating that draft coverage um, the night of is going to be exactly as repetitive and terrible as it has been for the last 16 months or however long the last three months have taken. So, uh, we're going to make a little game of it. We are going to draft... Things that they're going to say and or show when Kenny gets drafted. Is that a good way to... It's like a bingo card. But we're picking things off of a bingo card as our own, and whoever is the most correct at the end wins. A hundred loyal sons points. Wow, one hundred. Yes, that's a lot. Yes, yes. The loyal sons, where we only can think of things in terms of drafts and bingo cards. Correct. Yes, and loyal sons points. They're they're real. They're definitely real. I definitely didn't make them up because I really wanted to find out who the new transfer was. As is tradition, we have put no consideration into the order that we will go in. So... Any ideas? 
Alright, who was the first one to buy a picket jersey? Um, not me. Did we do the same order? Or did you? The did second you one have... was definitely the same order. Uh, my first one has been worn so much the Panther patch on it is falling off. So you had the first. So I feel like it's pretty dated, yeah. Okay, so Squid, one, me, two, you, three. I also have two, so. In my defense, I was a part of that order, but uh, as all orders from DHgate or AliExpress go, like, half of them showed up, they were all the wrong size, and none of them were the correct color. You win some, you lose some. Not if you're Kenny Pickett, then you only win, win things. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, shoot. That means I go first, and I gotta think of what I want to take. Um, Isn't it obvious, though? Yeah. Uh, the first pick of the first round of things that are going to be mentioned or shown after Kenny Pickett's drafted on ESPN on ESPN will be a mention of his small hands. There is a 100% chance that gets slipped in. Whether it's the first thing, the second thing, or the third thing, it will be said uh, like, oh yeah, these stats, but his hands only measured at Whatever they meant. No quarterback I, with hands under nine inches wide have been drafted since Michael Vick. If I can if I can give ESPN a little bit of credit, which isn't a thing I typically like to do, I do think it will get mentioned. I think it was an obvious 1-1 one, one pick. Mm-hmm. Good job, John. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that it will get mentioned as like, uh, well, if you follow the draft at all, you're probably tired of hearing about Kenny Pickett's hand size. I think it will be mentioned in like a more self-aware way, but it's definitely going to get mentioned. Okay, so that comes to me, and I'm slightly afraid that this this could be a bust pick. I won't be a bust pick, but it might not be as early as I hope, or it might even sneak in before hand size, and as soon as he gets drafted, it's going to pan to the highlight clip, and it's, I think the first play is going to be the fake slide. Mm. Part of me thinks they might go with a, like a pinpoint pass or one of his great passes, but I also think the ESPN broadcast is like, just as much about entertainment, oh, more about entertainment, and that fake slide is going to be the first one. So I'll go fake slide. Yeah, I mean, this has been pretty chalk so far. My 1-1 one, one and 1-2 one, are, are, are both gone. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into the more analytical side. Uh, the phrase, most NFL-ready quarterback in the class will be thrown out. Yes. They're, they're, I, think, I think it could actually be the very first thing that is said when they cut away from the podium and go to the booth is the player who many believe to be the most NFL-ready quarterback in the class, Kenny Pickett, out of the University of Pittsburgh. (laughs) And his small hands. And his little baby hands. It's probably the most decisive that stat, theory, whatever you want to call it, has ever been. Because every year there's always a debate who's the most NFL-ready, it feels like, but this year it's pretty clear. A couple projects, then Pickett. Yeah. Good pick. And then, so, I know this technically isn't a Mount Washington. Do we want to just say this is a Mount Washington? No. No, it's no, a draft. Different. Okay, fine, whatever. It's draft. Uh, do, is it still a snake? Or uh, Yeah. Yeah, we can yeah it is. It. We can snake Okay, it. okay. Um, but it's still different. And this is a, a pretty easy one, too. Um, a reference to leading Pitt to its best season since, like, 1981... Um, or best season in forty years. So one of one of you know time frame reference for 
Pitt's futility until Kenny Pickett showed up, but I, I think, you know, that's that's kind of his, you know, piece de resistance was taking a Pitt team that struggled for basically 40 years and making them nationally relevant. Gotcha. Here, here, I'm torn between a couple here, uh, between some of the traits he has, but I feel like we're going to get a uh, above-average mobility and or athleticism. I was going to go sneaky athlete. No. I was, I was going to say, <laughs> if they say sneaky athletic, Dylan, I think you should get double points. Yeah, something in, <laughs> something in that range of like, yeah, we know he's a white guy, but he's also pretty pretty <laughs> fast for like, but like at the same time, he's not running a four four, but like also like he's pretty athletic. Kind of booking it. Yeah, oh, that's a good one. That's one of my favorite ones. Any Wes Welker type gets that, you know. Yeah, draft analysts love that racially coded language. <laughs> okay, I'm very happy to get this with my next pick. Uh, I don't know how to phrase it in a short way, but he could have. Entered the draft last year, but returned to college to improve his stock. Does that include the Peyton Manning? Yes. I was going to say I feel like it's a package deal. Yeah. They're gonna say, he talked to Peyton Manning and he, he gave him some words of advice. But, okay. Uh, That's yeah. a good pick. We heard that every Saturday. We're going to hear it again. Let's see. My next pick. So we're doing four, correct? We're doing four, and then at the end we're each going to predict what team he ends up with. Okay, so I have this one and one more. Shoot, there's a lot of draft buzzwords I want to use, but... Yeah, they're very repetitive. I think they are going to mention... He has good enough arm talent. I feel like that's a word that's been thrown around with picking a lot. uh, Because he doesn't have a weak arm. But it's not Malik Willis. It's not. They might say that exact that yeah. exact line. I feel like not I'm just reciting Willis. all the YouTube videos I've watched. <laughs> but they'll be like, "Yeah, he's good enough. Look at these out routes. He can get it to the the Cylon from the opposite hash." So I think something along the lines of good enough arm talent. All right. Well, here's another uh, word that they'll probably use for like a third of the guys they mentioned in the draft. But this one actually describes Kenny Pickett as about as well as anything is just competitor. He's a competitor. They're gonna gamer. Gamer. Competitor. Yeah. He he's gonna come ready. Ball player. Gotta put his head down for a first down if he needs to. Not doesn't like the slide. Uh, mm. as, as evidenced by the fake slide. Mm. Uh, chuckles from the other guys on, on the board or on, <laughs> on, on the set. Um so yeah. I'm Are we just writing the script for <laughs> for the draft right now? ESPN should hire us. Yeah. Maybe we'll do our own uh, our own scene post Kenny Pickett draft draft selection. I'm gonna be Mel Kiper and I'm going to have a a big fake forehead with like the hairline of an like like the slick backed hair of like an eagle and what was what's that really specific weird thing he does with like a slice of pizza where he takes off the cheese and like Oh, have you guys ever heard of this? I, oh, I this have. this is a story every like around the draft every single year. Mel Kiper uh, eats pizza, but he scrapes off the cheese and puts like an inch layer of mashed potatoes on it instead. What? <laughs> I believe you. But what the hell? <laughs> I agree. 
Anyway, my turn now. So my last two. Uh, number three, I'm going to say Dan Marino's name will be said. Uh, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. I thought your last one was too similar to that, but I, I like it. That's why I didn't take it. Mm. What was my last one? The whole 1981 thing. Best team since in like 40 years. Because he broke all the records. So they could be two different. It could be two different ones. Definitely different. Yeah. It's a good idea. You should have just pulled the trigger. Yeah. I like mine. I'm going four for four. All right. Uh, and, and my last one is going to be a hint of what uh, the, the bonus, my answer to the bonus question is. Uh, oh, you know where this is going. Yeah. A reference to Kenny Pickett initially committing to Matt Rule's Temple Owls out of high school. I have a question. Would you have taken that if you didn't see it in my notes app that I accidentally put it? Oh yeah, another fun behind the scenes thing. Uh, Squid accidentally created his list uh, on a shared notes app note that we had for the Bickle interview, not thinking that it was shared with the rest of us. I actually didn't read it, though. I just wanted oh. you to feel stupid. Man of integrity. Because okay. you were. And are. But that's my final one. I really wanted that one. Gotcha. That's a good one. Um, last one. I, I do want to go with like another just draft like word. But at the same time, I know one of these plays from last year is going to get shown. And the reason I'm going to use this one is because when it happened, I remember thinking, Wow that is an NFL throw. And I was just like blown away by it. And it's the, it's the pass, the touchdown pass to Melky Stovall in the Tennessee game, week two of the season. Um, that was the first play I think Pickett made last year where I was like, wow, this oh. is like a different level of Kenny. We knew Kenny Pickett was good, but when he made that play, it was, it was like eye opening and kind of running to his right across his right body. Right to his right across his body. Third down. I want to extend the play, extended the play, rolled out and just, Threw an absolute dime to Stovall in the back of the end zone. So uh, I definitely think that would be on the highlight reel of the show afterwards. Okay. Um, I'm bringing it home here. Yep. I think they're going to mention his age slash number of games started. Oh. He is. I also had 24 years old in here. He's so. I can't believe you got that with the last pick. <laughs> yeah. 49 games started, 52 played. Um. I didn't do the math, but I'm sure that's like double everybody else in this class. Yeah. It, it goes hand in hand. That's a good one. So, uh, do you now kick us off with the team you think he will be selected by? Um, can sure. We, can we pick the same in this? That's a really good question. I think we're getting a bonus point for if we pick the team correctly. So, so we, can't we can all technically pick the same. I think there's been too much Carolina buzz for it to not be real I think every couple every year there's a couple guys that they talk about with one team so much it just has to be true and it's not just throwing darts at a board and hoping it sticks right I think Carolina's gonna be the spot yeah I mean that seems like it's been a lot of the buzz Um, I don't think Pickett's going to drop as far as people have been making it sound um, but I don't care I am going to try to manifest this and speak it into existence do it Kenny Pickett to the Pittsburgh Steelers that's my pick 
Let's if go. that happens, we're all winners. You can win this this stupid little not a Mount Washington if if that if that's what it means. If we get to root for Kenny Pickett for fifteen more years. But uh no, I'm same team as, as John here. I think he's gonna go to the Panthers. I think it's no secret that Matt Rule's been infatuated with him. And as much as these draft analysts want to sound smart and be like, oh, this is the weakest quarterback class in years, and all these teams know that they don't have to pounce on one, there's a quarterback in the draft who has all the physical and mental tools necessary and leadership capabilities to help a team win right this second. That player is not going to fall to the late second round, to the late first round, or even I, I saw, you know, a couple mock drafts here and there that had him going like early second round. That's no simply chance. not happening. No chance. No, I, a team that likes him and desperately needs a quarterback, desperately needs a quarterback, is going to have no issue taking that number six overall on him. So also Panthers. Panthers to Panthers. At least we could go back to Charlotte. I mean, that's that's at least two trips a year to Charlotte because of all the ACC championships we're going to be in forever. Hopefully, the it'll be it'll make it easier if like the Panthers just play on a Sunday, like the day after the ACC championship. Yeah, we can just yeah. knock them both out in one weekend. It'd be very convenient. Yeah, it'd be very convenient for us. Wake up hungover. I tailgate I, the Panthers. Although, if we Carolina. go back when we go back to the ACC championship. We're we're already on like thin ice. I don't know if we'll be allowed back in Bank of America Stadium. Yeah, they got Dylan's uh, <laughs> picture up uh, at every uh, entrance. Yeah, so maybe so, we won't bring a cutout of Kenny Pickett the next time we're there. Uh, yeah, we'll bring the Keaton Slovis cutout. Yeah, fair. Wait, so so real quick, uh, let's empty our notebooks. What else do we have? Honorable mentions. High IQ. Killed the interviews. Uh, name drop his fiance. I was wondering if they would mention anything about him recently being engaged. Um, I thought game manager or he'll be good in the right situation will be used. That's good for the quarterbacks that don't necessarily think have the highest ceiling. I have a handful of plays here that I think we'll get mm-hmm. tossed out. Uh, the throw to Addison against Clemson. Touchdown yep. pass to Addison against Clemson. Yep. Touchdown pass to Crawl against North Carolina. Yep. And pouring down rain in overtime. And then a sleeper, but I think this should make the cut, is the touchdown pass to Jared Wayne against Virginia Tech, where he threw it out in front of Jared Wayne yep. before he made his turn. And it's just an absolute dime on the money. Um, I think that's another one that sneaks in. I like the one against Miami where he rolls out uh, – to his left and like kind of turns in a Mahomes fashion and zings it in the end zone to Jared Wayne. I think that shows off his sneaky athleticism and accuracy. Oh, that'd be another good one. We'll talk about his accuracy. I want a shotgun celebration. Not from him, but like I need a clip of of him and uh and Morrissey. What if Kenny who's at home with his family and grandparents and friends, he just gets picked. Shotguns a beer. I mean, it's just adding to the legend. Oh, um, I think there's going to be a reference to the last three Panthers taken in the top 25 because it is uh, Larry Fitzgerald, Darrell Revis, and Aaron Donald. It's a high hit rate. That's absurd. Yeah, and then Kenny's just the next in line. 
start work on his bust in Canton. I just wonder what he's going to do when he gets that 11th Super Bowl ring. Because you only have so many fingers. Right. Do you start using toes? Do you double up on fingers? What, what's the etiquette on that? Can they make a smaller... Cause all the what Super did Bill Russell do? I, I think he just always had one on ice. So we've officially... Necklace, a chain... Oh, that's a good idea. It'd be better than a toe ring. All the Super Bowl rings now are so, like, gaudy and over-the-top now that uh, I think it'd be hard to miniaturize into a, a toe ring. Well, we've successfully got to the point of the night where we're comparing Kenny Pickett to Bill Russell, <laughs> so I think, I think we can uh, move forward and go talk to Donnie Football. Please welcome to the show, producer of the PM team on 93.7 The Fan and all-around football guy, Donnie Shedrick. Donnie, how you doing this afternoon? I'm good, guys. I hope everything's going well with you. It's going pretty well. It's a full week we get to talk about football. So, uh, first question, um, how was Better Call Saul tonight? Uh, it was a good one. Um, I don't want to give anything away because there was a pretty big thing that happened uh, at the end, but the, the show's really picking up. I don't know if you guys are fans of it. Um, I know some people, after they watch Breaking Bad, they think the show's a little bit slow for them, uh, but it, it has picked up a lot in the last two seasons. I watched a good bit of the first season and then went on a little break and haven't got back into it, but I did like it while I was watching it. But uh I've, I've been just breaking bad, but Saul Saul is a top three character in that show. Yeah, I mean that in the the last two seasons, like this season are currently on. There are only three episodes in, and then last season, uh, I would say it has rivaled some of the best Breaking Bad seasons. So for how slow people may have thought it was at the beginning, uh, it's business has picked up. I mean, this is going to air on Wednesday. You could probably spoil some stuff, and it's fine. We'll bleep it out. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't want to be that guy. All right. All right. All right. So, okay. So um, we wanted to bring you on to talk about the NFL draft. You are the resident football guy. Is it weird that you're kind of Pittsburgh famous now? Uh, I guess a little. You know, it's something I'm definitely not used to. But even going to uh, family functions the last few weeks, you know, for Easter, and they'll, you know, all of my aunts or uncles or even cousins mention like, hey, like so-and-so I work with listens or like, hey, all my, all my friends listen like, that I went to high school with and they want you to follow them on Twitter and this and that. I think that stuff's kind of funny, but uh, yeah, it's exciting. What's been the funniest or like the most interesting uh, story of like someone just picking you out in public and be like, Hey, are you, are you Donnie football? Um, I had, so right after the, uh, the infamous wing video, um, it was that same weekend. I, I went back to, to Greensburg because that's where I'm, I'm from. Uh, and I'm driving back here and I'm on route 30. And I noticed that one of the, one of the red lights, you know, a guy was like looking out his window at me and then by the time we got to the next red light, I noticed he puts his window down 
So I put my window down. He just says, Hey, are you, are you Donnie? <laughs> and I was like, this is unbelievable. <laughs> for, for the uninitiated, what is the wing video you're referring to? Uh, so around Super Bowl time, um, I was uh, in a man on the street video uh, for WTAE about rising wing prices. Um, you know, I, I made it known that I would not let those rising wing prices hold me down uh, because I'm I hammer out hens. I mean, by noon, <laughs> those 8000 hens got to get moved to their new cages and it's going to happen one way or another. Did, did you get your wings on Super Bowl Sunday? I did. Yeah, I, I ended up I, I, I got uh, I got like my first filling downstairs. I live right above Ruggers Pub in Southside. Uh, and then, you know, I, I think, you know, it's some guys that came over for the Super Bowl itself. I think they got Archie's. Yeah, that was us. Your joint. If that was us. <laughs> if you if you haven't been there, I would uh, certainly recommend it. Yeah, you got to get the Buffalo Ranch. Absolute top tier. One of my favorites in the city. And I know I know one of yours as well. Yeah, it's very good. So, uh, <clears throat> slightly less importantly, but still, you know, valuable. Um, the NFL draft is this week. Uh, and, and we wanted to, uh, to talk about some of the, uh, some of the guys Pitt's going to be trotting out there. Um, and, and generally get your thoughts. So obviously the big one is Kenny Pickett. Um, the greatest pit quarterback since Dan Marino, uh, likely to be the first, uh, first rounder to come out of pit since Dan Marino. Uh, what are, what is your insights on where you think he's going to be taken? What are you hearing? And, uh, what do you think his best fit might be? Uh, so I, I've, I've thought for a while that Kenny would be the first quarterback off the board. Um, there might be some chance that it is Malik Willis because, you know, teams are looking at his potential, which I would say that the, the ceiling for somebody like Willis is probably higher than what Kenny's is. But uh, I think Kenny has the higher floor. You know, that's just the, the, the stuff you hear this and there. Like Kenny's the safer pick but Malik Willis has a chance to, you know, be one of the best players in the league if all things go well. Um, I, I've thought for a while, probably since the, the the new year, that Kenny would pretty much stay a Panther. I think Carolina is the, the spot for him. Um, I know Matt Rule recruited him and actually got him to commit uh, whenever Kenny was initially looking to uh, go somewhere for college and then, you know, the way things worked out, Kenny ended up, ended up at Pitt. Matt Rule ends up being the, the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Uh, and the other thing that I don't think enough people consider is that Dave Tepper's a Pitt guy. Um, he's a Western Pennsylvania guy. And this is his really first and only opportunity ever to draft a guy out of the University of Pittsburgh uh, because, you know, the, the Panthers weren't a team and he wasn't an owner. Uh, whenever Dan Marino was coming around in the mid eighties. So almost 40 years later from that, uh, I think that's the, the landing spot for Kenny. I would be pretty surprised. I would be shocked if Carolina didn't go quarterback. I would be pretty surprised if that quarterback wasn't Kenny Pickett. There's a chance that it's 
Malik Willis, you know, maybe somebody before Carolina surprises us and picks Kenny. I know there's a mock draft or two out there that has Detroit taking him as high as number two. I don't see that happening. Um, I know other mock drafts out there and, and experts and analysts say that uh, no team until the Steelers will have any interest in taking a quarterback. Now, if that's the case, that throws a whole other wrinkle into things. Uh, but if I had to pick a team for Kenny, I would say that Carolina is the spot at number six. So let's say, you know, that that dream or nightmare scenario comes true and no quarterbacks off the board until number 20 or say, you know, the Steelers for some reason want to want to move up because I know a lot of teams want to move back. Uh, all all, all of the big name quarterbacks are still on the board. Who, who do you think the Steelers would pull the trigger on? Uh, so, I mean, I don't, I don't want to upset you guys, but if I had to, don't, uh, you know, if, if I had to guess where they would go now, do again, not. this isn't what I would do. Um, I would hope that they would go with Kenny, but I, I think that if, uh, every single guy was there at their disposal, that they would probably go with Willis Stop. Um, in a head to head spot, uh, just because they look at the, again, like the potential that, that he could have. Uh, that probably outweighs Kenny by a little bit. But, you know, again, I think Kenny's the, the more solid guy. He's like the safer guy, if you want to phrase it that way. Um, because, sure, he may not be someone who becomes a perennial MVP candidate, but I don't see him being a bad quarterback. You know, somebody like, you know, maybe a Kirk Cousins, maybe even a Derek Carr type player, which I would be happy with. I mean, I think – I think Derek Carr is a very underrated player, one of the most underrated in the entire NFL. You know, Kirk Cousins does just fine. I think he's more efficient than people are willing to admit. Uh, but I think because of the Malik Willis potential, and it just seems like Mike Tomlin was in awe of Malik Willis anytime he got a chance to see him uh, perform live, you know, even though it was in – a pro day or a combine setting. It just seemed like he was much more infatuated with Malik Willis. I will say this. Uh, I know that uh, Mike Tallman and Kevin Colbert had their pre-draft uh, press conference uh, on Monday afternoon. And the main uh, intangible, or I guess main trait that Tomlin was harping about was uh, like the, the leadership and competitiveness factor and i think in that sense that makes me think maybe there is some hope that if it comes down to kenny malik willis or desmond ritter that they would go with with pickett because i think when it when you talk about a competitor uh on the field i think kenny is definitely the the top guy there i think there's something to be said about um you know like willis and ritter you know the steelers investing a lot of time and getting to know those guys and going to see them at their pro day. Uh, you saw, you know, some of the videos of Mike Tomlin, like gawking at Malik Willis after a couple throws he made. I think there's something to be said about uh, Kenny Pickett's been in that facility for the last five years. So I, they have to be pretty familiar with him. And there might be some smoke screens there with, uh, you know, how much they like Willis, how much they like Ritter. Um, and, you know, they, they already know they like Kenny. Yeah, that's absolutely, absolutely just, you know, speculation. But, you know, there has to be something said about him being around that facility for so long. Yeah, yeah. And no, I, I definitely agree with that because they don't have to 
uh, really publicize how much they get to watch him, you know, whether it be in game, you know, film or, you know, just practice and, and pro day type of things and like on and off the field activities. I mean, they can kind of do all of that under the radar. So for all we know, they have a whole, whole file on Kenny Pickett that we don't even know about because again, like you said, they're all in that same building. So nothing has to leave that building. Uh, if they have just anything extra on Kenny that no other team has access to. So you, you both brought up a name that I, I think has become more of a trendy conversation piece than anything. Desmond Ritter. Is there actually a chance this guy goes in the first round? Cause anytime I watched him, I was not exceedingly impressed. And I, I watched a lot of Cincy games cause I was fascinated uh, by them and their whole story last year. And even against some of their worst opponents, I was not impressed. Granted, he runs, you know, a, about a four or five and he's got some some measurables. But is is this a guy we could really see come off the board in the first round? Uh, I, I absolutely think so. Um, and I to be completely honest, if I had to bet on a single name that the Steelers would take at 20, it would be Desmond Ritter. Uh, if it, if it came down to one single guy, uh, that's who I would have the most confidence in. Again, not necessarily who I want um, because I want either Kenny or Malik Willis in terms of quarterbacks. Ritter would be all right. I certainly wouldn't want uh, anything to do with Matt Corral or Sam Howe. I think they're both too undersized and you know they don't have the ability to overmatch that. Um but I've had a handful of people ask me just like my gut feeling on where I think the Steelers will go at 20. And I think, again, I'm assuming that Kenny will be gone. And I actually think Malik Willis will be picked before number 20 as well, or before the Steelers have a chance to trade up. I think Desmond Ritter would be their guy at 20. If that was the case, I think the only way he isn't is if he's gone and they didn't really see that coming. And then, I would hope then that they just go with like the best defensive player on the board or maybe somebody slips down. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would be, I'd be happy with those top two quarterbacks. I'd be all right with Ritter. You know, I would, I, I can see his potential there and I could see why teams would be attracted to him. Uh, but I, I definitely think he'll end up being a first rounder because even in years where the quarterback class is weak and I know that we've heard how much, this draft class lacks compared to last year or the last few years, they're still going to end up being two or three quarterbacks that get taken because that's just the way the league is now. You know, it's been since, you know, pretty much all of our lifetimes, 1996 was the last time a quarterback wasn't picked in the first round and think of how much is advanced in the league now, especially in terms of throwing the football, uh, so I, I think at least three guys go. I wouldn't even be all that shocked if late in the first round we see uh, Sam Howe and Matt Corral get picked too. You you and uh, and your guy Pony have been tweeting a lot about Desmond Ritter, and and that answer to it makes me think that that there's there's some rumors going around in in the fan that you guys know something that we don't. I, I mean, not really. Uh, you know, I don't think we have the we don't have the inside track that. 
Uh, some people think we do. I mean, we, we, we talk to a, a ton of different people. We get a lot of different viewpoints. Um, I think that helps us. We've had people that love Desmond Ritter. We've had people that hate Desmond Ritter. We've had people that hate every single quarterback besides Kenny Pickett. We've had people that That's us. hate every quarterback besides Malik Willis. Uh, we, we've, we've heard a lot of different uh, viewpoints. And I know that, um, you know, I think Chris Sims – uh, released his quarterback list maybe a month ago, and he had Matt Corral as his number one quarterback. So I think that's a whole other thing to look at with these guys is I would say most people have Kenny Pickett as the number one guy. Most people have Malik Willis as the number two high potential guy. And then after that, it's kind of a, a toss-up. And with some people, they even have – the Howes of the world, like pro football focus, Sam Howes, their favorite one. I think it's Sam Howe and Malik Willis are their top two guys. So it really just depends who you talk to um, to figure out who likes which quarterbacks. Uh, but it does seem that everyone sees Kenny as that safest pick. You know, the guy that won't be a bust, might not be a superstar, but won't be someone that just sets back your franchise for a decade. As long as we stopped trying to make Carson Strong happen. Yeah, I, I really don't see that. Um, I, I I don't know if he'll get – he'll probably get picked in like the second round or early third. Uh, but I, I I really doubt that he ends up being uh, the Steelers quarterback. At least I would hope not because uh, well, I, I, I don't see much of his potential at all just other, other than just being a big guy. But – I was, yeah, I was speaking more in general than the Steelers going for him, but he was, he was just one of those clear cases of tall guy throws ball far. Let's, let's talk him into the first round. So I'm, I'm glad yeah, we chilled out on that one. Yeah. And we, we, we've seen guys like that in the last few years with the way the game is changing that have not worked out. I mean, Paxton Lynch was a first round quarterback. Brock Osweiler is another example, like guys that, well, Paxton Lynch, I don't even think he ever started a game, but Osweiler had, you know, his, his cup of coffee in the NFL. He had a good game here and there. Uh, but just those big statue types, they don't work anymore. I mean, Tom Brady's a complete anomaly. Um, you know, he's still going. He's going to be going until he's probably 50. I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, put it past him. But we just don't see those types anymore. You know, the Peyton Mannings mm. of the world, we don't see those types. You know, guys have to at least move a little bit. Would you put Christian Hackenberg under that? Because he was like six five and had a had a strong arm, and he he looked like hell at Penn State after his first year, but still managed to get taken in the second round. Yeah, he's he's probably uh, fair to put in that category. I mean, he's he's going to be one that people look at years down the line. Uh, you know, if if someone's a, a draft nerd like me and they look through just the quarterbacks that get taken in any given year. And they'll think, wow, Christian Hackenberg got taken in the second round. Like, what the hell were the Jets thinking? And, you know, this is a guy that couldn't even start in the XFL. And he's getting taken, what, like 52nd overall in the, the NFL draft. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, it's a blunder on, on the Jets looking back. But clearly a guy that, you know, just didn't have like the modern day tools to be an NFL quarterback. So, I 
I think we've spoken uh, ad nauseum about the quarterback situation and Kenny Pickett. Uh, however, there are a few other Pitt Panthers that will be gracing the draft boards. Uh, have you heard? And let's let's start with I think um, the next guy up in a lot of people's eyes, uh, Damari Mathis. Have you heard anything in particular about uh, Damari Mathis, where he might land and a possible fit for him? Uh, kind of hard to say a particular team uh, that would. Uh, snag him just because he'll probably be someone that we will hear his name called maybe late on Friday night. If not, it'll be uh, early in the day uh, on Saturday once the draft gets rolling into the fourth round. Um, Cause I think he's around like a, like third or fourth round player um, based on some things I've seen. Uh, I've, I've pulled up things uh, like there's a site that uh, you know, they're projecting him to go to the Broncos with like the final pick in the third round. Um, but I, I could see him being someone, uh, I know that, that last year, uh, a player that I really didn't think would end up doing much at all was, uh, Jason Pinnock and he gets drafted by the jets in the late rounds. And he ends up getting, uh, pretty significant snap counts toward the end of the season. So, uh, Mathis will probably get picked a little bit higher than, than Pinnock did, but maybe he could be that type of player um because i know in the last few years you know we've seen uh pit secondary guys that weren't phenomenal at pit uh but you know they're good enough to get drafted in the late rounds and they've actually kind of found spots you know dane jackson uh with the bills is mm-hmm. another one i think of uh so I-, I think mathis could fall into something like that yeah you think of some of those guys who played a lot at pit like mathis and pinnock um Avante Maddox, Dane Jackson, they're all guys who started like multiple seasons at Pitt at that corner position and kind of got put in uh, some tough spots, you know, probably in some one-on-one, no help over top. Um, But, you know, guys who play in a tough system in college and then are NFL ready and ready to contribute right away. Yeah, I mean, and I I think uh, cornerback, you know, it's probably the hardest position on the field besides the quarterback, you know, besides the guy that has to know uh, pretty much what everybody is doing at any given moment. But, you know, they they use the phrase island because those guys really are out there on an island more often than not. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if he can end up like one of those guys, I think he could pave a nice little path uh, in the NFL because, yeah. like, 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 like you guys said, not all of those guys were superstars at Pitt. You know, and I know Avante Maddox, whenever he was at Pitt, you know, we were a little bit younger, uh, but – it didn't seem like people had very high hopes for him at all uh, at, at the next level, at the professional level. And he's been uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles now for, I think, three or four seasons, and he's one of their starting corners. So uh, the other thing that helps is, you know, as much as it's become a passing league, every team needs to replenish defensive backs as much as possible. Mm. Um, I know that, you know, with some of the people we have on at the fan, uh, mainly the more analytics-driven guys like the pro football focus types, uh, they pretty much say it's never a bad idea to just stock up on cornerbacks because you're going to – with the amount of talent at the, the wide receiver position or like flex tight end types, uh, it never hurts to have as many defensive backs as possible. Yeah, especially uh, physical defensive backs that can run a 4-4. 
Yeah, he's, I mean, so I mean, I, I would say if, if Mathis can pretty much just carry what he was able to do, uh, you know, in his in his workouts for NFL teams, uh, I don't, I would, I would be surprised if he is still out there late in the day on Saturday. Yeah, he's definitely an interesting prospect. Um, I think from my perspective, the the most interesting prospect for Pitt is uh, not actually Mathis or Pickett as, as much as Pickett is grabbing the headlines, but Lucas Kroll, because given his size and some of the flashes he showed last year, uh, I would expect him to be getting much more buzz than he is. However, he's still slated around that sixth, seventh round, possibly uh, priority free agent Um have you heard anything about what teams are seeing that have him, you know, towards the end of the draft as a six, seven tight end that runs about a four or five? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough again to put like a particular team on him. uh, But I think he could be uh, a a really nice snag late in the draft for somebody that just needs a second or even third tight end. Um, Even whenever you have the Steelers come to mind, uh, you know, they no longer have Eric Ebron, you know, you know so Pat Fryermuth is going to be the main guy. Um, it does seem like Zach Gentry has fallen into a little bit of a role with the team after a few years of struggling out of the gate. But a, a team like that who needs a second or third tight end, uh, he certainly fits the bill. Uh, he's not undersized in any way. He's pretty much that prototypical tight end size. You know, he's six 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 seven, and he's 260 pounds um you know i know just just based off stuff that i would see you guys say uh over the course of the pit season like he would have an occasional a drop issue uh but if that's something that gets figured out he could be a nice weapon that gets found uh late in the draft so we talked about a couple of Pit prospects. Um, one guy we didn't touch on too much, Cal Adamitis, probably going to be the first long snapper off the board. I don't think we're going to spend too much time there. That's our guy, um, Central Catholic grad. But not to, not to get ahead of ourselves, but looking ahead to the 2023 NFL draft, who's one Pit Panther that you, you would look at on that roster and say, I want that guy on the Pittsburgh Steelers after next season? Uh, well, I mean, I, I would have to think that, that Addison is going to be the, the top dog there. Um, and assuming that the that the Steelers go quarterback here, uh, they won't really have any uh, thoughts to go there in next year's draft, you know, because I don't know what uh, what what Slovis's timetable is. Because I remember there was there were mock drafts what before last season that thought he would be in this draft and be one of the first mm-hmm. quarterbacks to go. So that that's just an example of you know how much things can change in just a year's time, uh, but. Granted, what the the Steelers wide receiver room looks like now, which is surprisingly bleak from where it was just a year ago. Uh, you know, they have two guys that are legitimate NFL starters with you know Johnson and Claypool, uh, but you know, otherwise they just kind of have guys that'll fill in here and there. You know, uh, Miles Boykin didn't do much last year for Baltimore he was hurt half the season but he only had uh, a couple of a couple of catches in eight games uh, Anthony Miller will be okay in the slot 
Uh, Gunnar Olszewski will be mainly a, a kick and punt returner. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll also be every every Yinger's favorite player. Um, but <laughs> Jordan Addison uh, is a name that immediately pops to mind just because I'm assuming he'll be uh, maybe not as good as he was this past season because of how great he and Pickett were together. But I would expect uh, with with Keaton Slovis that he'll he'll still have a, a pretty good season ahead and be looking at uh, probably a first round projection come 2023. So he would have to be the the top guy I pick. Yeah, I I can't imagine the outcome of this season matters that much for him. I think he's shown enough to be a first rounder. But I can't can't let you off the hook. Addison's an easy one. Give me. Can you give us one more guy that's going to be on the squad next year that you think would look decent in black and gold? Addison, I think a little bit too easy for for a man of your uh, football background. Oh, Kalaja Kansi, absolutely. Yeah, we we actually had him on the on the show a few weeks ago. Um, he would definitely be one. Uh, I would I would I would say Servasier Dennis. I mean, I don't know what his status is in terms of like a, an NFL future. Um, but I've always thought he's been a pretty nice player for Pitt. You know, they've, they've had some great, uh, defensive players over the last handful of years. Uh, but he would be one that, you know, probably not a, I'm assuming he wouldn't be a first rounder or even second rounder, but maybe, you know, play his way into the mid rounds. Mm. He'd be a guy you could pick up because, uh, you know, Lord knows that the depth at the linebacker position, will certainly be lacking at that point. And, you know, you have someone like Devin Bush, you don't know what his future will be. Uh, we're about a week away from the time they have to determine his fifth year option. And unless they actually have confidence in a bounce back, I think they'll decline it. Uh, so you'll have to consider guys like that. And Cansey uh, again, with the Steelers defensive line, you have – three guys up there. Stefan too, it's a complete question mark. Tyson Alu-Alu is 35 years old. Uh, Cam Hayward's not far behind him. And even though Hayward has aged backwards in, in NFL years, and he's just gotten better as he got older, uh, the amount of guys on the defensive line needs to grow. And, you know, you have to kind of explore that early in the draft, I would think. If you don't do it this year, because I know a lot of people want to make the push, you know, for big Jordan Davis or Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia. You know, if you don't address that this year, it's going to have to be uh, next year without a doubt. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree. Uh, Cansey, I think, has the ability to play himself into the first round. Uh, I'd also be interested in looking at one of our linemen, like a Carter Warren, add a little bit of depth in there. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Steelers addressed that a little bit in the offseason, which kind of upsets me because there's there, there's a pretty good group of offensive linemen in this draft. Uh, the guy I wanted months ago that I don't think there's a prayer they, they draft is uh, Tyler Linderbaum out of Iowa. I'd love that. Um, and my, my, my main fear is that he will slide all the way until the end of the first round and get picked by Cincinnati and we'll have to deal with him for the next 10 years, and he'll go to, like, five All-Pros or five Pro Bowls and, and be a five-time All-Pro because I, I think he's, you know, as close to can't miss. I'm not really a fan of that phrase, but I think he's as close to it as anybody that might go in the first round on Thursday. 
Yeah, Linderbaum to the uh, Bengals is kind of worst case scenario. I don't think we can afford them to get any better, even though they kind of already have. But yeah, he is a he is a dead ringer. He is a mauler. Yeah, they they, they made several, uh, I think, pretty good moves in free agency, and most of them were on the offensive line. And he would just sort of be the cherry on top there because that was really the only Achilles heel that team had. And if he slides all the way down there and they pick him, then uh, they're going to be in that same spot for a little while, I think. Well, fortunately for us, all we need is Pickett, and we're winning at least the next six Super Bowls in a row. So they can try all they want. It's not going to matter if we get that, you know, final infinity stone, that Yinzer infinity stone. <laughs> Infinity. It's a really good movie idea. We're going to write that down later. Well, Donnie, we really appreciate you coming on and educating us a little bit about the draft. Uh, fingers crossed that you are wrong about who the Steelers end up with. Uh, and at the very least, let's hope Kenny Pickett ends up at a cool place. We can go on vacation to see him play. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I hope so. I mean, I hope I am wrong. I mean, ultimately, it would uh, get down to number 20 and Kenny Pickett's still there and he gets his name called. Uh, but unfortunately, if I had to to bet on it, which you can't bet on the NFL draft in Pennsylvania, which I think sucks. You know, we can bet on all, all the all these other things, but we can't bet on the NFL draft. Uh, if I had to pick, I would, I would roll with Desmond Ritter uh, just because I think – Kenny and Malik Willis will be off the board. Well, we'll all be waiting with bated breath at that uh, watch party and smoking Joe's. Yep. And Don, let's get some hens on Thursday. Oh, we will. We will. And if Kenny does get picked by the Steelers, uh, it'll be quite the scene. Hens on the Hass. <laughs> right, well, Donnie, thank you so much for your time. Uh, Listen to Donnie's show. Uh, Donnie, would you like to plug your show? Yeah, uh, two to six, uh, Monday through Friday. Uh, the PM team on 93.7 The Fan, Andrew Filipponi, Chris Muller. Uh, they're probably two guys that, that piss you off on Twitter all the time. Uh, but they're, they're good guys. It's a, it's a good show. Uh, you'll, be, you'll be educated from it, especially if you're a football fan. So, yeah, tune it in. Awesome. Thanks again. And, uh, We'll see you Thursday. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Anytime. Thank you to Jasir Whittington and Donnie Chedrick, a.k.a. Donnie Football, for joining us this week. Thank you to my co-hosts, David and Squid, for another great episode. If you liked it, please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter, at The Loyal Sons, for all the pick content you don't want to miss. Thursday night, the NFL Draft. We'll see Kenny Pickett go in the first round, and we'll talk about it probably a little more next week. Once again, thanks for joining like the show subscribe rate it five stars whatever you got to do as always hail loyal sons of pittsburgh